Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. But yeah, winning it in 2020. I mean, my son was six days old when we won the Premier League. I've waited all my freaking life <laughs> to watch Liverpool and I put him in a little Liverpool top and I was fuming with a little bastard. Just like, <laughs> he's like six days old and we've won the league. I can't believe it. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode and a brand new series of Comedians Talking About Football, the podcast where each episode we have a different comedian talking about their team. They talk about the lows, the highs, the overpriced pies, everything that comes with being a football fan. Our guest for the first episode of Series 3 is Dave Bibby talking about Liverpool. A fantastic guest, I'm sure you'll agree, to kick off the season. We've got some excellent guests coming up for the rest of the series as well. So do stick around. Why not subscribe so you get alerted to them whenever they uh, whenever they drop, which should be, we're hoping, every Wednesday. And I purposefully put that in the intro so that I make sure I do that every week now. So if you get there on a Wednesday and it's not there, you know I've broken a promise to you. I'm Sam Michael, by the way. I should probably introduce myself. I am the man who is probably going to break that promise. And I'm also the host of this podcast. And I, myself, am a comedian. Uh, As I said, this is the third series of the podcast, which means, of course, we've got loads of previous episodes for you to go to if you are new to comedians talking about football. We've got some great guests from Mark Olver to Nathan Caton, Jacob Hawley, Maisie Adams, Sam White, uh, Paul Cooper from this country. We've got so many guests in the past for you to listen to and we've got so many great guests in the future as well just want to let you know before we get into this episode that you can find us on social media we are on instagram and twitter with the same handle which is at comtalkfootypod that's at comtalkfootypod so why not find us on there you'll find additional content uh speaking of additional content why not check out our youtube channel as well where you'll see exclusive clips from episodes including uh some unedited chats as well from previous episodes and episodes coming up so you can find us on youtube just search comedians talking about football and we should come up so anyway today's guest is dave bibby who's going to be talking all things liverpool fc uh now dave bibby is a winner of the online comedian of the year 2020 uh he's a musical comedy award audience favorite 2018 he's also won the solo festival best male act uh, British Comedy Guide Pro Comedian 2021 and the Leicester Square Theatre Sketch Off 2019. He's very much, uh, well, he's hot property at the moment, is Dave Bibby, so it was great to have him on. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the first episode, season three of Comedians Talking About Football, with Dave Bibby chatting all things Liverpool FC. Liverpool. At the end of the day, football, it's a funny old game. Comedians talking about football. Comedians talking about football. Comedians talking about football. 
excited to be here i'm i'm just I've, i'm sizing up your merch in the background i love football merch like that's where i'd spend my money if i had any <laughs> yeah for those i mean there will be a video version of this for those of you on the podcast already kind of rolling your eyes uh yeah i mean he says merch <laughs> but what i've essentially got behind me is a score draw framed england 66 uh shirt although it has got signatures of some legends at the bottom you probably can't even see uh sir jeff hurst uh, Alan Ball, some names there that my um that that, that I've got that someone got for me over the years, and then behind me is a is a Reading FC signed shirt from the 08-09 season, all signed, a whole squad have signed it, so that's at least what four pound fifty, I reckon you could get for that on eBay. <laughs> I'm getting Leroy Lita vibes. Was he around in that sort of period? Or, he was. Or, His uh, name's up there. He's, he signed it with a number eight as well. Uh, love that. For some love reason, him. he's the one that jumps out. Oh yeah, love him, love him. Uh, so, Dave, I really, as I said, I really appreciate you coming on. It's um, it's uh, good to talk to you, and we're going to be talking all things Liverpool today. We're going to start off with something up the Reds, indeed. Come on, you Reds, <laughs> uh, Anfield rap and all that. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna start with um, a, a bit of a quick fire round just to get the listeners to get an idea of uh, what sort of fan you are. So, um, yeah, first of all, as we know, Dave Bibby, you support Liverpool FC, yeah. Okay, first question. First home game you went to? Uh, first home game I went to, I think, was the last day of the COP where we played Norwich. Absolutely nailed on to smash them because we're the great uh, Liverpool FC and then Norwich and all the legends came out, lost 1-0, Jeremy Goff, top corner. Uh, <laughs> so that's the first Liverpool game I went to. <laughs> Amazing. Um, it was the la- last day of the COP. <laughs> okay. okay, second question. Liverpool FC, are Liverpool your local team? Oh, no, absolutely not. Uh, I grew up in Bedfordshire, uh, lived in London for many years. I now live in Hertfordshire, so they are very much not my local team. I don't even know where. I don't even know who my local team are. I suppose it'd be Stevenage or someone like that. <laughs> Watford was Luton closer. I don't know. Uh, next question: When Klopp leaves, who takes over? Oh, I, I think potentially Pep Linders' assistant. Um, there aren't any good managers in the Premier League called Pep at the moment. So potentially there's a s- space there. Yeah, I think, yeah, potentially, yeah, maybe big Pep Linders. Steven Gerrard at Aston Villa, do you approve? Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Steven Gerrard. I love, anything that he does, I'm happy with, unless he sort of starts managing United or Everton, but I can't see that happening. Um, yeah, he's a good manager and he wants to get a Premier League. He wants the big job, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Anfield um, rap, yes or no? Oh, absolutely, 100%. Had it on CD. Don't worry about that. I've got a tiny little um, John Barnes collectible still in the packet over here, in fact. Uh, <laughs> I'm that much of a fan of the Anfield rap. Had a hamster called John Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Love it. Okay, the big question. Club over country, yes or no? Oof. Probably Yes. Yes, probably club. Yeah, yeah. I I go to a lot. I, I used to travel with England a lot, and I used to see a, a, probably more England games. I did Liverpool games, unfortunately. Um, and I, I'm glad England have started doing well in those last few years because I'm of a generation where England were okay. We'd go into a tournament, be all right. And uh, there were like fully grown men, like 20-year-olds, who would be like, well, what's the point of international football? Like, because of Euro 96 and France 98. And, <laughs> you know, but they, they were born around there, so they don't remember it. And so I'm glad we've been all right. But yeah, I mean, Liverpool's got to be the, the number one for me. And then um, I'd like England to do well. I'm not one of these that hates international football. Mm. Okay, well then we're going to put that answer to the test here. The final question is, only one of these things can happen in your lifetime. Manche- uh, Manchester United are beaten in their record for the most amount of first tier championships with Liverpool overtaking in them or England win the World Cup. Oh. oh, I don't know. Well, if England win the World Cup, then Liverpool never overtake United. Is that yeah? Is that that's what right. So England can win other. the World Cup, but Man United will always have the record over Liverpool. But if you change that round, Liverpool in your lifetime beat that record. They win the top tier, the, the top light of football championship, record amount of times beating, smashing even. Man United's uh, uh, record, but England will never win a World Cup. 
I'm going to show what a massive fraud I am and change because I think England winning a World Cup would be the big one, wouldn't it? I mean, <laughs> I think, yeah, you'd like to see England win a World Cup, unite the nation. Uh, yeah, I think that is the that is the big one. I wouldn't do it for the Euros, okay? Let me draw the line there. <laughs> uh, but I think we're one behind United now to think that we wouldn't overtake them is painful, but England winning the World Cup. Sorry, my son's going to bed. He started crying. So people are listening going, God, Dad's like, Dave's like crying in between words. <laughs> Just at the thought of Liverpool not beating Man United's <laughs> championship record. Uh, but no, yeah, England winning the World Cup would be the big one. Um, I know a couple of people, old people, who went to 66 and they still talk about it. I'm a, I'm a mate, Big Pete Hardy. He went to Mexico 1970 and he'll bring out Mexico 1970 stories as if it happened a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I would love to go <laughs> to a World Cup where England win it. That'd be amazing. Did you get to any of the Euros games? No, unfortunately not. Um, when it was before it was postponed, and it was scheduled properly for 2020. I applied everywhere mm. and uh, um, like, you know, Dublin and Budapest and everywhere. I, was, I was like, go wherever. And I just couldn't get tickets. And then, um, yeah, sort of tried again, but it just, just didn't happen. Turns out he didn't need a ticket. He just had to just sort of uh, turn up and, yeah. and get behind the boys, really. Uh, so I should have just done that. But no, I didn't actually get to it. I'm, I'm going to Wembley in a few weeks. It's, but yeah, no, I didn't make the Euros. I don't know about you. I mean, obviously, did you find that a lot of comedians were somehow getting tickets to go there? I mean, yeah. I, I mean obviously, I know uh, like Rob Beckett and et cetera, but I just felt like the whole of London open mic scene went to a game at least one point. <laughs> So Liverpool then, where did it all start for you, Dave? What were your earliest memories of supporting Liverpool FC? Um, well, as we've said from my accent, I'm, I'm not from Liverpool. Um, someone of my age and my accent should support, you know, Man United, really. Um, like a lot of people that grew up around here. But yeah, it, the, the answer to me becoming a Liverpool fan is, is a mix of my dad and John Barnes. Um, all my family from up north. I was born down south. I thought you meant they brought you up then. I thought that's what what a parenthood that would be. (laughs) My dad and John Barnes brought me up. So so far ahead of their time. (laughs) And the listeners know that John Barnes was a hamster. So really uh, (laughs) quite impressive. No, yeah. So I'm the youngest of three boys, uh, baby boys. And um, they're both my older brothers are Luton Town fans. And um, so we grew up near Luton. My dad got a job in in Luton and moved down south. And then I was born down south, whereas my brothers were born up north. And yet they support Luton. Um, and I just sort of think we used to be season ticket holders at Luton. We'd travel with Luton and everything. But uh, my dad was like, oh, I've got three sons. Two of them support Luton. I've got this last one and I'm sort of seven, eight years old and I'm just starting to get into football. The Premier League is just being established around that time, sort of early to mid 90s. And so my dad sort of took me to, to, to Liverpool and we watched a few games and it was John Barnes, who was really past his best. I didn't know that mm. at the time, but it was miles past his best then. Um, I just absolutely loved him. I was just obsessed with John Barnes and my dad and I loved going to the games. And it was like, I just remember like my early memories of games is, um, can I look after your car for you, mate? Give us, give us a quid or look after your car for you, mate. Uh, going and I, it just felt like a foreign country to me like uh, going up to Liverpool even though we'd spend like well, all my family from Barrow up in Cumbria we'd spend a lot of time up north Liverpool was just like this island off the coast of England as far as I was concerned it was a magical place um, uh, whereas you know in Luton they would just take your car straight off they wouldn't ask for a quid uh, <laughs> so yeah early memories are going Scouse is offering to look after my dad's car and then in going to watch matches like I said went to the last game with the cop and so they were sort of still standing and uh but we weren't in actually in the cop we're in the seated just just off to the left there and I just remember just watching the fans for ages you know just watching them and then eventually you know uh you know get a a chance to stand in the cop but by then you had to buy a seat you better stand in the cop sort of thing um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't know at the time, but I, I, I timed it awfully becoming a Liverpool fan. Yeah, you know, we're talking about sort of 93, 94, something like that, sort of mildly getting into football and then properly getting into it in the mid 90s. And we were always, we were almost good for about 20 years, <laughs> me supporting Liverpool, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that's where it all began. John Barnes and my dad and Scousers looking for a quid to look after the car. So, like you said there, it was a bit of a funny time to become a Liverpool fan. They're never a bad team. 
never a bad no. team, but it was that change to the Premier League or the Premiership, as it was known back then. Yeah. And um, obviously they'd had success, I think a season or two before that, winning the then yeah. Division One League, you know, a, a many number of times. And then I, I think, you know, it was around the end of Del Gleish's the end of Del Gleish's first run. Right, yeah. You still had some fantastic players, but it did just seem to be around the time that the kind of the kids of Manchester United started taking over. Yeah. Leeds were doing very well at the time as, uh, as well. Was there a bit of a frustration there for you that this team that you supported were always nearly there, but not quite yeah. there? That's the thing. You see it with teams at the moment. I suppose this current level team could potentially end up with nothing this season, which would be awful because they're sort of, you know, they've got a they're inward chance of getting something. Um, but I think potentially I, they will get something. If not, then next season they'll probably get something, you know, ridden around it. But you look at Arsenal and United and Tottenham and you just think they would be better off. In fact, maybe Arsenal have had that. They'd be better off getting really bad for a season or two, regrouping and saying, this is where we are now, accepting that, buying the kind of players that can move you to the next level, as opposed to like, I don't know, Man United sort of buy Cavani and Ronaldo and um, your man Varane and people like that who are great, like world-class players, or at least were world-class players. So they're only going to be good for another season or two and it's going to be just almost good. And that's worse because you either want to be genuinely good at winning stuff or rubbish and like restructure everything. And we had to get really bad before we restructured and got Klopp in. It's only then looking back, you're like, God, we were almost good for so long. You know, like Steven Gerrard, he never would have stayed if we weren't almost good. Because if we were rubbish, he would have left. And if we were brilliant, okay, he would have stayed and he would have won things. And if we'd got bad, he would have left. But he, he spent his whole career being like, well, we're getting closer. <laughs> we might do it. Uh, and that was pretty much me supporting Liverpool. You know, you get the odd, get the odd uh, Carling Cup or something like that. And you think, right, well, next year. Next year, we can compete with the big boys. I was going to say about that, because it wasn't like you didn't have your victories here and there. I suppose around the time you would have been getting into it was not long after in the Premier League, you had what was called the top four. So it was yourselves, Liverpool with Manchester United, Arsenal and Chelsea, always kind of competing at the top, always going for the trophies. Um, So I want to talk a little bit as as we're sort of, moving through the 90s about if you remember the um the FA Cup final 1996 the the, the Spice mm. Boys in the white suits yeah yeah um I specifically remember it we didn't go to that match but we had a a, a barbecue around our house and by then I would have been playing football for a sort of my local team I'd have been probably under 10s under 11s around then and um it, it, you know United are obviously the top team in the country because they'd won a couple of titles and everything else but Liverpool were supposed to be getting back to their best and they had their own young players. Uh, and we, it was such a boring game that at that age, that 90 minutes felt so long. And I remember sort of being stood at the sort of patio doors of my house and watching Cantona score that winning goal. And then just being like, because oh, we went out in the end, me and the other kids who came around, ended up just going into the garden and uh, uh, and playing football as opposed to watching it because it was so boring. But uh, we just sort of went out. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I love listening to stories of those Spice Boys as well because they let out a little bit more information as they get older and older. And you realise that Jesus, they were just like every week at the moment. There's like someone else is in trouble on social media, a modern footballer. And I think if people had smartphones in the nineties, Jesus Christ, some of the footage we were seeing from the Spice Boys or the Arsenal drinking crew and. Yeah, you know that that's sort of my memory of that Liverpool team it's what a great drinking team uh, you know they were almost good at football there are some great uh, fo- um, stories from back then um, I, I suppose you've probably seen them or might have even been involved before with these kind of um, an evening with an ex-footballer you know yeah. sort of have you have you done any of those gigs before or have you attended many yeah. of them or yeah I do a lot of um, uh, live event hosting and mm. um uh, including like auctions, charity auctions and, and things like that. And sometimes there's an ex-footballer uh, or an ex-sportsman there. And 
he could always tell the crowd because if you're like a football club, like a like a you know Saturday Sunday league club, mm. they'll get someone like Razor Rudder, and all they want to talk about is is like getting pissed and and shagging and everything else. And then you get more business ones. I remember I did one with Sir Clive Woodward, and he was very much breaking down the mentality of top level athletes and things like that. So I've seen sort of everything in between. And if and a free tip from me, if you are going to go to a charity auction. Go look at the or, or the things that are on that auction. Look at the different things they have and the names and think to yourself, who is going to die soon? Okay, <laughs> Because the value shoots up when someone died. You see someone who's died recently and they go in the auction for loads of money. I think I had that. I had that shirt you know, again, a couple of auctions ago and no one wanted to buy it. And now he's dead. Everyone wants it. Yeah, I always think that. He's like, oh, signed Michael Caine. I think, right, he's he's running out of time. I think I might make an investment here. You know, you, you want the you want sort of Attenboroughs and people like that. Uh, and they're the same in the sporting world. Um, yeah, so I've seen some good. And the other thing is you get, they do their stories on stage. And then afterwards you get the extra stories that they're like, well, I couldn't really say this, but. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, they're always quite good. and they always go, I won't tell you his name. He was like, I, know, I can tell who that is because, <laughs> yeah. you know, you've made it so obvious. Um, uh, what was, I can't remember Carlton Carl telling me a story and he was like, I won't tell you who did it. I won't tell you. And it was so clearly, what was his name? Who um, uh, West Ham legend. He's still there. Mr. Penalty against Man United earlier season. Um, oh, oh, Mark Noble. Mark Noble. Yeah, Mark, Noble. Mark Nolan. Mark Noble. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Carl Cole's giving us this story, and uh, and he's going, "Well, I tell you names." I'm like, "This is definitely Mark Noble." <laughs> you can just tell by the way, tell you know. So I like trying to spot those. It's sort of the after after di- the after after dinner speeches that are pretty good. <laughs> Love it. Um, first of all, I, I want to agree with you on that whole um, look at memorabilia stuff because uh, yeah. I, when we were talking, kind of at the beginning, you were very uh, again. Apologies for those listening to the podcast. There will be a video version available on the YouTube channel. Subscribe now. So it's comedians talking about football into YouTube. You'll find us. Um, to, to my right of me, uh, there's a, there's a, a framed shirt. It's a, a replica of the 66 final um, away shirt that obviously everyone knows the, the, the red, the red long sleeved and below you can't quite see it, but there's um, kind of a, a, a framed bit of paper with lots of signatures on. And it was one my auntie got me. She was she went to corporate for the England Spain game in Euro '96, and she oh, was working nice. for Sony at the time. And she she has no clue about football, uh, didn't enjoy it at all. And my dad was livid, being a huge football fan, that he felt like he could have maybe taken her tickets or whatever. But anyway, she went along for business, and she said, "Oh, I came home, I got you some signatures." And on there are names like um, you know Martin Peters, Alan Ball, Jeff Hurst. Um, yeah, some um, Nobby Styles. There's some great names on there. And every time one of these legend dies, my dad texts me and goes, tick another name off the list on that that bit of paper, <laughs> that little A4 bit of paper that when I was I was like seven when she gave that to me, I thought, what is this? Wow. What is this rubbish? Yeah. Who are these people? And um, and my dad's like, these are English. He's like, right, you're not having that. You can have that back when you're 21 and you appreciate the names <laughs> on this bit of paper. But yes, yeah, various signatures we got signed and you know, as as the years have gone on, that that little bit there has just become a little, you know, more and more valuable as the years have gone on. Um, yeah, more the, limited edition. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, don't with, do, they don't do those signatures anymore. <laughs> so, um, with those those um, after the speakers, as we, as we mentioned, I went to one. The last one I ever went to actually was uh, was John Barnes, and uh, obviously, yes, you know, you, you know, your favourite players of all time, and uh, he told some fantastic stories and going back to what you were saying about the drinking culture back then, what what's great is John Barnes sounds like he was such a good little boy when he arrived at Liverpool. And apparently it was uh, you know, Gobbler who, who basically went and knocked on his door and said, right, you're coming out with us. And the stories yeah. he told about him and the players back then were just unbelievable. And he, yeah. did, he did, he did the same thing. He did that sort of, I shouldn't tell you this story, but, but he did it to a room yeah. of like 300 yeah. people. And um, <laughs> it was just, fantastic to hear these sort of stories and you're absolutely right if there was any kind of documentation of what they got up to back then behind closed doors yeah oh uh, uh, none of them would be pundits anymore <laughs> no no i mean yeah you look at a photo of john barnes when he signed for liverpool and a photo when he left obviously he's a few years older but he's about twice as heavy yes yeah. like he's clearly been out drinking eating what he wants uh, you know 
Uh, and then it's just before the real change. I think Arsene Wenger was that first manager who came in from the continent and said, what if we drink just one glass of red wine <laughs> instead of 24 cans each? Um, you know, uh, it's a, yeah, it, yeah. I, I, I dread to think if there were camera phones back in those days, the kind of stories that would come out every weekend. I would love to be a fly on the wall when Arsene Wenger said that because it wasn't like he just came into like a European team. He went to Arsenal. We had like the likes of Paul yeah. Merson, Ray Parler, Tony Adams. How did yeah. he get them? To, how did he? Well, maybe he didn't in some cases. It sounds like they managed to sneak yeah. away from him and do whatever. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's and that obviously all happened in that period when you were getting into football. There was that change in the culture. Uh, going into yeah. the late 90s, I suppose that's when Liverpool started to pick up a few uh, titles. There was the UEFA Cup final in, in, in 2000. Yeah. One, uh, I think four three. I think that finished after extra time or yeah. five four, something like that. Um, what was your memories of them? Because that was when Michael Owen kind of really jumped onto the scene. Very yeah. after a very exciting World Cup ninety eight. Yeah, it was um, it was a really great time because uh, living down south, I've got so many mates who support other clubs, and my in laws are all from Salford, and they've got friends who are season ticket holders at Old Trafford and stuff like that. I've spent a life being in like the wrong end so for example when Liverpool beat Arsenal in the FA Cup final in 2001 which Arsenal absolutely battered us um Michael Owen scored two on the counter-attack and Liverpool won 2-1 and uh, I think Stefan Honcho handballed it as well if I remember rightly gold kit um but I was in the Arsenal end with some Arsenal mates so I was sat there going ah oh, come die you bow you Cheating back, I believe it. Oh no. And then that, that it was at the Millennium Stadium. And then later that summer, the community shield was then against Man United. And uh I was in the United end because a load of people went got a coach trip from Luton, United fans are like, we've got a ticket if you want it. I was like, I'll come along. And I remember my mate Burley, who uh, we still constantly want each other up. Um uh, again, I think Michael Owen scored. And I we were all going, I was doing my best, like, fake Mancunian. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, no. <laughs> Scouse master. And I'm just nudging him with my elbow, just nudging him along. And he's going, if you do that one more time and I'll call you out, do that one more time. I was only like 15, 16, I must have been. Yeah. Uh, and I was nudging him going, oh, I can't believe it. So, yeah, in 2001, I wasn't at UEFA Cup final. Uh, I did watch it. But I don't have that much memory. I don't have as much memories of UEFA Cup final. I have memories of like us beating Everton late on in the league. And I have memories of uh, obviously the FA Cup final that I was at. And then the Community Shield. I think it was still the Charity Shield in those days soon mm. after. Because again, giving away my age here. But I, uh, 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 the new Wembley was being built. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was that was a great time. And again, when if you've got someone like Owen coming through, you think, well, we can take on the world, you know, mm. like we say, we beat Arsenal that day, but they were miles better than us. But if you've got someone that pacey, turns out his hamstrings were rubbish and he wanted to go Real Madrid. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah, it was a time because you had Roy Evans and then Gerard Julio came in and then he just sort of went just to Gerard Julio. And it, it's a very weird period. I think the United fans called it the Mickey Mouse treble. Um, <laughs> you were in three trophies without that big Premier League one that we all wanted but, um, it was good times it was good times but again we drifted off again for a couple of years until Rafa came in after that I mm. think really and then I suppose came along some slightly better years uh, around the mid 2000s and that mm. infamous night in the 2005 Champions League final now we've had a guest on here before who was a Liverpool fan Mark Olver and uh, he spoke about his experience of that final, uh, which is sort of half really, really cool and half really, really sad. So if you haven't <laughs> listened to it, basically he spent the Champions League final texting uh, John Oliver, the obviously the, the world famous John Oliver throughout the game. But the reason he was doing that is that John Oliver was giving him score updates because on the night of the Champions League final, Mark Oliver was the warm up man for deal or no deal. Oh, wow. <laughs> So he spent his whole evening with Noel Edmonds, who apparently had no interest in football. And no, his whole warm-up act basically consisted of him talking to the crowd about how much he didn't really want to be there and wish he was watching the <laughs> Liverpool game. And he said there were a few men in the audience kind of nodding along, like, yeah, we didn't really want to be here either. Like, <laughs> So he got he got an update and he was like, oh, 3-0 down. Thank God I'm not watching it. I'd rather be making some money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it got to the point where he managed to just catch the penalties 
in the back room somewhere. Right. I think it might have even been Noel Edmonds' uh, dressing room. I can't confirm <laughs> that, but I think he managed to find a telly and just catch the penalties. Yeah. So, so what was your experience then? Was it was it uh, better um, or worse than than the warm up act for Deal or No Deal? Well, it was better because I got to watch the game. Yeah. But by two by two thousand five, I'm at university in North London, and uh, just the same as most of my upbringing, living down south, I'm surrounded by. Uh, Arsenal, Tottenham, and West. I'm thinking of the, the lads that are there and West Ham fans, right? So I invite everybody round, thinking, well, it's an English team in a Champions League final. It doesn't happen that often. Even if you don't like us, you'll get behind the lads. So I invite them round to my crappy little student house, and they start spanking us so hard early doors, like they were so so much better than us. It's ridiculous. And I remember being in the toilet at half time, and I even sort of said out loud. Please just go home. <laughs> like the saddest. Like, because we are three near down at that point. I thought 3-1 would be a brilliant result, but it's more likely 7-0. Because if they get one more, the heads go down mm. and they're really going to start taking the mickey. And I just remember being in the toilet. And just, I've been on the cans and the beer snacks and just like, here we go. Because, you know, Liverpool have got a great European history. But like I said, for the timing of me becoming a fan, all before I became a fan. <laughs> so I literally waited my whole life for that. Whereas other Liverpool fans were like, oh, in the 80s, we did this. In the 70s, I was there in Turin or whatever. No, for me, this was it. And then the second half, by the end, they, it, even like the West Ham Arsenal lads, they were like, cheering for Liverpool because it was yeah. such a dramatic turnaround. I don't think they would admit that now, but it was such an incredible game uh, that, that they got on board with it. it, it <laughs> I must admit, my, my memory's crap sometimes. Sometimes someone points something about a game or a play and I'm like, I forgot even played for Liverpool. <laughs> and then but that one game, I think it's just like every single moment is like etched into my mind. It's just a, the greatest game ever of being a Liverpool fan. Just the absolute best. So then that was the Champions League, ticked off, five times you've won it, very impressive. And then I suppose it was a quest for the Premier League next. That was 2005. You didn't Mm -hmm. collect the Premier League trophy and medals until 2020. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) How would you you describe the journey from 2005? Because I did feel like, okay, the aim was always to get the, 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 you know, to win the Premier League. Sure. Everyone who's in the Premier Mm. League at least tries that. But I suppose after that Champions League win, it felt like, yeah, this is it. This is going to, this is going to happen now. And over the next kind of 15 years, you had to put up with some very close calls. The Brendan Rogers era, the slip. What's your kind of memories of being that frustrated Liverpool fan initially chasing, I suppose, the Incredibles of Arsenal. Uh, I mean, after the, the Champions League win, the Incredibles of Arsenal, then Manchester United in the last days of Ferguson, then Man City. How yeah, and Abramovich is Chelsea as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, all of yeah. those guys had a crack. Yeah, well, stra- that student flat watching a 2005 Champions League final, the same student flat the following year was the FA Cup final where we played West Ham, and that was a Gerrard final where um, he scored in in extra time, and that was like a, that was another was it three three or something like that, and uh, again it went to the pens. Uh, yeah, just like an absolutely mad front, and again so. Rafa sort of signs people like Xabi Alonso and Peter Crouch and Louis Garcia and Pepe Reina. And you think, okay, these guys are genuinely good. But for whatever reason, we just couldn't get it over the line. And every sort of, every time we missed out, it felt like we took the following season. It took us a a bit longer to get going again, Mm. like to get over the disappointment of the previous season. And I think a lot of fans used to sort of wind up Liverpool fans being like, we always say this is our year and stuff like that, but I don't, I don't ever genuinely remember thinking we're going to win the league because we're just so used to it, it, it not happening. But Rafa did well; he won the Champions League so quickly in his first season. And he followed that up with the FA Cup. You think the Premier League is is the next step? But he went mad. He just went mental. He was trying to sell Zabi Alonso to buy Gareth Barry. And you're just like, <laughs> how can you be so good and yet so bad at the same time? Like, he's a Liverpool legend, but he made some weird decisions. He seemed to destroy himself. And then, yeah, fast forward to Brendan Rodgers. By then, we were proper, like, we're still a big club, but, like, underdogs. We just sort of, in the same way that Michael Owen nicked the 2001 FA Cup final, we had Suarez and we had a young Sterling. And Sturridge was fit for, a, like, 
almost a whole season. So suddenly, you know, it doesn't matter how dodgy we were at the back. We just kept scoring goals. But before you knew it, you know, we threw it away. Um, although I have to say, no one ever talks about how much Chelsea were favourites for that season. And they, mm. they had all, all the games in hand and they bottled it, which handed it to either Liverpool or City. And then we bottled it and then City took it. <laughs> but <laughs> it, I think because Chelsea had won it before, it was like Liverpool had bottled it. But we only, we only had a, a small window of opportunity after Chelsea bottled it <laughs> to bottle it ourselves, <laughs> which we sure enough did. It's one thing I love to talk to all Liverpool fans about, and that is that little Roy Hodgson era. And it's, it's, it's a bit of a feature we do on here as well. We like to talk about the best memories, the most, you know, get everyone listening to feel nostalgic for those for those those good days, even though I suppose the good days have come quite recently for Liverpool. But we also have to look back at those dark days. And I was going to assume that other than the mm. sort of long chase in the 90s of kind of not picking up anything, I guess the low point would be the Roy Hodgson. I don't know whether error is the right name, the, the Roy Hodgson five minutes. Uh, yeah, talk talk me through it and what happened there. Oh, uh, mate, he, he, the, the hardest thing about hating Roy Hodgson is that he is a very nice, intelligent <laughs> man. He speaks like seven languages. He's well-loved in football, but he was the worst match for Liverpool ever. Everyone was like, oh, Liverpool fans, you know, you try and constantly convince everyone you're best fans in the world and you're booing your own manager. But I was like 100% behind the fans that were booing because <laughs> in the end we moved on and got someone else. It was just the like, like, even when we're bad, right, we're still Liverpool. So we're not the biggest club in the world, maybe, but we can attract good players. And so he did saw that and bought Paul Konchesky. It was just like, <laughs> come on, you can attract loads of players to Liverpool. Even if we're not the absolute best right now, you can still get a good left back. Mm. But he was just, it was awful. And there are strong rumours that, you know, Gerard had a penalty and it was kind of like, well, if he scores this, we, we get the win and we move on. If he misses, um, that's Roy Hodgson out. And he missed it. And you see like a wry smile on Gerard's face. And <laughs> I think it's sort of Liverpool legend, whether it's true or not. But yeah. He was like, we need this fucker out of here. <laughs> it was dark days. But of course, you had the Dalgleish era in between there. Mm. as well, a sort of second coming of Dalgleish. And he was just buying, like, I think he bought Henderson, didn't he? And he bought Andy Carroll for what then was like unbelievable money. Mm. And um, he bought some, if we just put some mad players down the years. Um, and it wasn't really until Klopp came in and Michael Edwards that it all settled down and we started to seem to have some sort of, transfer policy, transfer plan. But it was just like, Andy Carroll, he scored a couple of goals. Let's get him in here. We had Crouch a few seasons ago. That big fella did well. Let's get that big unit in. And then we tried Benteke and people like that. It just just doesn't make any sense for the kind Mm. of football that we wanted to play. So yeah, the Roy Hodgson was (laughs) the darkest days. But again, I still feel bad saying it. He was awful. He was the worst England manager I've had and the worst Liverpool manager I've had. But he just seems like a lovely bloke. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So then the good times come in uh, in enters Klopp. Uh, what was your feelings when he arrived? Because he'd, he'd had a quite a good run with um, uh, with Bristol Dortmund. He got into yeah. you know Champions League final, everything. Did you think it was a, a big step up or a big risk? No, I thought, yeah, I was really like buzzing about that. A typical football fan. You know, I'd very occasionally see a bit of Bundesliga. If I'm watching Champions League, it's usually to watch English teams or a big, big, you know, Juventus versus Barcelona or something like that. So obviously my knowledge of sort of German football isn't that great. But was I going to admit that? Absolutely not. I was like, I've always rated Klopp. What what he did at Dortmund, his relationship with the fans is a perfect fit. And I just sort of did that thing of convincing myself ready to be let down. But uh, it turned out all right in the end. But he really is. When he retires, watch watch Liverpool drop. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if you're like a, not a Liverpool fan and you listen to this guy talking his non-Liverpool accent about, yeah, we are really good now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, don't worry, because we don't have the billionaires behind us. We just have Klopp, and we will drop so fast <laughs> down that league when he retires, which is coming up quite fast. But yeah, it's just been amazing. He said he said something recently. He said uh, that Liverpool fans are sort of fans of the journey of the story, mm. and that's to- totally true. 
And sometimes we convince ourselves we convince ourselves we're underdogs, which is you know if you support like Wigan or something and the Liverpool fans go, you know, we're underdogs. You need to shut up, mate. You don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> like, okay, so we're not underdogs in the same way that Leicester won the league, but we're not we're, we're not financially doping in the same way that uh, you know Paris Saint Germain or, or someone or City or whatever are doing something that is just like we'll see what Newcastle do, um, but it's a match a mix of having some money and uh just really good coaching i think um, when did you first see it sort of start to click for Klopp? when did you kick for Klopp? that sounded good um so when when did you um you the name of the t- title of the podcast yeah <laughs> this episode it clicks for Klopp. um yeah when did you see the players you know like Mo Salah was starting to fit in nicely you had that kind of front three who played fantastically together in the um the season that you won uh you know you had a a great captain uh defense you know um you know bringing Van Dyke from from Southampton that might have been a bit of a risk you do get sometimes these players who do really well for kind of the the bottom of the the Premier League teams and then come at the top and they just can't really hack it but he just seemed to fit in so nicely great keeper when did you look at it and go that right that's a premier league winning team it was the champ it was our champions league run when we got well even before then because we got to the europa league final and um we lost that one uh i was on a flight so i sort of saw the score and i was like oh we're doing okay and then the flight landed a bit lost um (laughs) uh but we had a run where we beat Dortmund, United, you know, over two legs. And at the time they were, because Dortmund had won, uh, the, you know, the big trophies. United had obviously won everything. Uh, we beat those over two legs, including the Dortmund where I think Ragnar Klavan and uh, um, Lovren both scored like dramatic headers and stuff, you know. And it's at that point for, okay. And then we quite quickly get to the Champions League final where Sergio Ramos showed his footballing nows by saying, <laughs> take out Salah. We'll beat these lads, and this is exactly what we did. But again, on the way there, we were so like like counter attacking football. We were like put six past Porto and things like that. And you think, well, if nothing else this is exciting, sooner or later we're going to get over the line. Um, and then by the following season, I think yeah, you know, at, at Liverpool, City, Chelsea got fairly close, but Liverpool and City both got ninety something points, and. If you look at this, is why stats are bollocks. But if you look at that running, they both got 97 points. You think that must have been the best um, when City won it the year before us. That must have been the best title race ever. No, because Liverpool and City played each other in January. <laughs> City went a couple of points per head, ahead, and both teams won all their remaining games. Mm. It's only a good title race if someone slips up and the other one wins, and then there's a draw, and then they still got to go away to their rivals. No, both teams just beat everybody. So I think Klopp said at the beginning of the next season, well, if we do that again, we'll win the league because it was yeah. unlikely that two teams would do it. And sure enough, that's what happened. Um, but yeah, winning it in 2020, I mean, my son was six days old when we won the Premier League. I've waited all my freaking life <laughs> <laughs> to watch Liverpool. And I put him in a little Liverpool top and I was fuming with the little bastard. Just like, <laughs> he's like six days old and we won the league. I can't believe it. But yeah, it was sad for the fans not to be there. Uh, it was weird watching that. I really hope, I don't think we'll do it this season, but I really hope that Klopp lifts the trophy and has all the fans there because his relationship with the fans is is amazing. You saw it when we drew with West Brom in one of his early seasons and uh, it went, <laughs> they took a bow. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Liverpool, West Brom. Because he always used to take, make, the, make the players do a bow to the fans. But that was the day that we stopped doing it because it was one all-home draw with West <laughs> Brom. But he has that relationship with the fans. Oh, it's such a shame that they weren't there when we won the league. Yeah, I was going to ask actually how you celebrated uh, because it was it was quite. So I think Man United fans really took pleasure in the fact that Liverpool had waited yeah. thirty years to 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 win the Premier League and they finally do, and they had to lift it to an empty clop. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, was, it was. I mean, obviously you take it either way, but you finally win the Premier League. What did you do that day to celebrate in lockdown? So I was, yeah, I, I was a mess of a man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because of course it was delayed as well. So, you know, the, the Premier League stopped for a couple of months and then started up again. And it, it, by the time it had stopped, we were pretty much nailed on. We only hmm. needed a win or two. So I, so I sort of, I think I celebrated with, uh, I tell you what, I remember, so same as 
I had a couple of cans in, you know, just take the edge off, stop the shakes. But um, <laughs> I remember the season before when we played Barcelona in the second leg of that Champions League. We'd lost 3-0 uh, in, in, in the Camp Nou. And so we needed to win 4-0 at home against Barcelona and Messi. So that was never going to happen. Mm. So there were no hashtag cans in the Bibby fridge. And, uh, and by the end, I was like, oh, makes sense. like, all right, alcoholic. I was like, I need a drink. And I was like, what have I got? Scotch. I've got scotch. I never drink scotch at home. And I was smacking the scotch, <laughs> shouting Divica Rigi home. And I think when we won the league, I did the same thing. So I was there with my little baby and like, right, come on, get the scotch out. Here we go. This is it. We've, we're, we've finally done it. Um, <laughs> I've got two rescue cats and I have to kind of celebrate without scaring them. Uh, <laughs> It's a muted scenes. Probably not how you imagined it as a teenager then. No, no. <laughs> and the same with like England getting to the uh, Euro 2020, you know, delayed final. Like I say, I used to travel with England. I used to go and watch a load of games. And again, when England were, used to play at Old Trafford and that, when Wembley was being rebuilt and the, the Millennium Stadium, we used, to, we used to go on tour and we used to watch the games. You know, I amazing but we had some crap teams mm. you know i remember watching england at old trafford we beat jamaica like six two or something like that and crouch got a hat trick last game before the <laughs> world cup before this is our year no of course it wasn't <laughs> so it yeah it, it's kind of sad that when i was there and in the mix we were rubbish but now i'm sat at home with with a baby who's just pooing on me and two cats uh, but it's still like still means a lot to me but i'm just there on my own just like come on get the scotch let's do this comedians talking about football dave let's talk a bit about your stand-up um mm. so uh you, you did uh your, your first show you did in 2019 nobody puts bibby in a corner yeah, yeah, I did. I used to be in a, a sketch group called Lead Pencil, and we did it. We did a few shows up at the Fringe, and then I took a, a show called Nobody Puts Bibby in the Corner up, and then I took a, another show called Crazy Cat Laddie, um, which yeah, both shows are sort of a mix. I do sort of quite surreal, well, not surreal. But I do sketches and songs and characters, mm. loads of audience interaction, um, bit of improv and stuff like that. Um, and then I do slightly more normal stuff on the comedy circuit. <laughs> I don't, not quite like, oh, I put my USB in upside down or about themselves checkouts. Uh, still a little bit alternative, but um, uh, yeah, yeah, I've been, I, I sort of, I, I sort of a bit, I've got sort of two personalities on the comedy circuit. I've got my shows, which are a bit weird. And then you've got your normal sort of club stuff, which is more, a bloke called Dave doing some jokes. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you know, I, I sort of found some of your stuff online, and it's it, it, you, I, I like comedians who do quite a lot in the um, uh, in the business, and obviously you, you do obviously these quite alternative stuff. You even won a, a musical comedian award as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, when I came back into sort of because I, I used to do like open mic stuff about ten years ago, and I sort of knocked about doing that, and then I focused more on my acting. Then when I came back, I thought, oh, let's do some songs and stuff. And uh, yes, <laughs> since then, I've done a few competitions. In 2018, I won a musical comedy awards. 2019, I got to the final of Sketch Off. I was rubbish in the final, but it doesn't matter. I still put it on the posters. <laughs> 2020, I won the online comedian of the year. So 2021 would have been the first year since I came back where I hadn't won an award. But thankfully, I'm in the British Comedy Guide Pro Comedian final this year. Nice. But they're dating it as 2021. So I've carried on my streak of <laughs> musical comedy in 2018, uh, a sketch comedy in 2019, online comedy in 2020. And now I don't know what I'll do for the pro comedy, probably a bit of a mix of everything. So, yeah, I need to keep that up. You know, uh, I can't go full Liverpool and leave it 20 years before I win anything. <laughs> and I kind of knew you anyway from doing kind of, um, I've known your name sort of through football as well, you know, being one of these comedians yeah. who, like myself, is sort of, you know, I, I love and this is why I started this podcast really I, I've always loved having conversations with comedians about football yeah because um, there's that slightly obsessive gene in there isn't there you never you never need yeah. to meet a casual <laughs> comedian who's, who's kind of a casual fan they've got some yeah. obsession with it which is great and obviously you've been doing um various sort of projects over the years to do with football yeah. as well so you pop up here and there you've got a new podcast out as well what's your team now, um, that's yeah. that's a podcast where you bring someone on every episode to talk about the team they support. Where did you come up with such a genius original idea? <laughs> G- 
so Jim Daly, who hosts it with me, he does loads of podcasts. There's Crystal Palace, when he does this blank podcast. Yeah. Year, and he phoned me and said, Dave, I've got this great idea for a podcast. I've got a great idea for a pod. And I was like, well, yeah, that does sound that does sound quite good. It's kind of podcast 101. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's not like he's reinventing the wheel there. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah. The, 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 you take someone who's uh, not necessarily a comedian, someone involved in hashtag show business, and talk about their their sort of connection to a club, f- even favorite kits and uh, favorite memories and things like that. So definite crossover with this podcast. <laughs> uh, <you have> to <laughs> There's no podcast beef. Don't worry, guys. But I did get someone to alert <laughs> me to it a couple of weeks back. They went, "Have you seen this?" And it was like, they, they've even got the football sticker thing going on. I was like, did you really think I'm the person who originated the the, the parody football 90 sticker? Like, have you never heard of Quickly Kevin, for God's sake? But I was like, they were like, yeah, have you seen this? I was like, no, I haven't, but great. I'm going to listen to it. I was like, Toby Tarrant at a Reading game. I'm going to love this. I was kind of hoping it was going to be, I was like, oh my God, first episode, Reading. And it was, no, it was very quickly to... To, to, to talk about Liverpool, I was like, yeah, okay. Um, but it's a great yeah. podcast and uh, obviously looking forward to the future episodes. Can you tell us, uh, they'll probably be by the time this podcast's come out, they, they'll be more available. You can find it on Spotify, assuming wherever you find your podcasts. Um, what, yeah. what, uh, can you let us know any guests you've got coming up? Let me remind myself. Right, so Toby Tarrant was the first episode. Yeah. Um, Matt, Matt Horn, uh, aka Gavin from Gavin mm. and Stacey, uh, Oh, I can't find him. I can't even remember that. Oh, there's one. Tony Cowards. Lovely. Uh, yeah, we got Tony coming up on this one soon. Oh, great. Yeah. He, he, I can't imagine Pinterest you've got to fan. listen to both of them back to back. Tom Deacon, who's another comedian. He's Southampton. Um, who else did we have? Uh, I can't remember now. We've got, <laughs> we've got some great guests. But as you can tell, I'm just sort of there as like the idiot. Jim's like, even, even like you say, like the stickers and stuff. And I, I said the exact same thing to him. He was like, right, I've done this sort of branding. I was like, that is very quickly, Kevin. He was like, yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Because <laughs> I listen to Quickly Kevin. It's a great podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, he's very much, he he organizes, edits and hosts it. And I'm just the idiot that comes on uh, and tells bad jokes. But we were just about to start recording for the next series as well. But the best thing is if you get into a, a green room and, and as, as another football fan that you yeah. know, and there's either football on that night or there'd been a big match the day before, the weekend before, and you're like, yeah, how are you? And, like, and then you kind of go on stage with that energy of being kind of free and natural as, as opposed to talking about career stuff. You just talk about football and you get so into it and then they, then they call your name. You're like, shit, I'm on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I always get excited if I see another football comedian in the green room. I do. I, I like it as well. It's quite funny sometimes when there's the majority of football fans and you just find that one alienated person. So I remember yeah. not long ago I did a I did a gig in Reading and it was um me and Jamie DeSouza and Andrew White were all chatting about football and the headliner was you know Bobby Nair. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he was just sat there like, What are you guys fucking talking about? Like <laughs> it was really like I, I suppose we'll we'll finish on everybody's favourite section of the podcast. It is the fantasy five-a-side football team. And we don't want the best players, Dave. We don't, we don't need him. We don't want your Gerrards. We don't <laughs> need your Mo Salas. We want the players that mean something to you. I want your all-time fantasy five-a-side team of cult-like heroes from Liverpool. Who have you got? Right. Okay. So I should probably start in goal because that sort of makes sense. But the keeper is the hardest one because I've got loads of names of sort of midfielders and people that sort of came in for a short period and did something. A lot of the goalkeepers have just sort of been it. So Grobelar would have been the first one. Um, the the big one is Jersey Dudek for his Istanbul, mm. uh, you know, sort of thing. And then Pepe Reina was probably the best keeper of my Liverpool supporting thing. And then you've got like Yaminilez. I, I really quite like... Sander Vesterveld as well. I think he had a short period where he was quite good uh, in goal. And I always remember I was having Brad Friedel um, mm. uh, for quite a short period and thinking that he was quite good, but he was no good with the ball at his feet. And then he left Liverpool and ended up playing Premier League football for like another 15 years or something like that. So I think Pepe Reina for me is too good to be in my cult, cult five. 
Adrian's probably too bad. <laughs> Grubbler's definitely cult because he's mad. And in my head, I only want to let in one of the lads from Istanbul. So that rules out Dudek. So I'm going to go with, <laughs> of all people, Brad Friedling goal. Nice. We've got um, Brad Friedel. Love it. So that's what a great start. So in goal, everybody, Brad Friedel. And there's people going, Brad Friedel played for Liverpool. Yeah, he did, mate. He was great. He was amazing. I remember he came over from America and uh, wow, look at the size of this guy. So then in defence, you only need one defender, right? Um, modern era, we've got proper cult figures like Colo Torre, uh, mm. who sort of came in. I thought he was going to be bad, but he was always all right. Uh, you know, like Phil Jones didn't play for United for like, three years or something and he came in and was like oh my god he's gonna be and it, it was quite good uh Kolo Toro is like that um Nat Phillips and Joel Matip are like uh like a modern versions of that like Nat Phillips doing Cruyff turns around Ibrahimovic Joel Matip just being mad I mentioned before that I had a I had a um a hamster called John Barnes I then had Fishkel Russian Barnes many years later who then died so I started naming them after other players I eventually got to Phil Bab and Phil Bab lived the longest so I got in my old flat I had a, uh, my wife was just like what are you talking about I had a, I, I had a fish called Phil Bab but all those <laughs> cult legends the only defender I need is Jimmy Traore mm. okay so he <laughs> He came into Liverpool and he was this kind of gangly guy. My first memory of him is scoring the most spectacular backheel own goal against Burnley, <laughs> which knocked us out of the FA Cup. And I looked at him going, how is this guy a, let alone Liverpool Premier League, but how is he a professional footballer? And he was absolute dog. He was rubbish. But then fast forward to Istanbul 2005, in an extra time, he's, he's no longer backheeling the ball into his own net. He's clearing it off the line, going away with a Champions League winning medal uh, <laughs> against one of the greatest AC Man 11s you're ever likely to see. <laughs> so, yeah, Brad Fiedel, uh, safe hands in front of him, Jimmy Traore. Fantastic. Um so I always think of players that score against your rivals become legends, don't they? Hmm. And I really don't like Danny Murphy, but he always used to score <laughs> against Man United. So I think yeah. with Danny. Yeah, you know what I mean? I never really liked him as a Liverpool player that much, but he was just scored against Man U, and that's enough for me. Um recent ones, you're looking at Shakiri, Louis Garcia. Hmm. I always like um Momo Momo Sissoko. He was yeah. like like we'd ordered Vieira off Wish. It was just like, he was like this big, strong midfielder, but just never quite as good as that. Lucas Lever is another one. From the 90s, Patrick Berger, mm. um, who I love. But in my midfield, we talk about that 2001 season. We signed Gary McCasler, I think, on a free transfer. And everyone's like, why are you signing him? And it he turned out to be an unbelievable signing. He was so good then. And he ended up sort of, bringing Gerard through nicely and the two of them still work together mm. he's, he's Gerard's assistant coach he was with him at Rangers he got that Mickey Mouse treble for us in 2001 so against all odds and all the amazing midfielders I've got Gary McAllister in fantastic there. Gary McAllister in midfield brilliant I love it already this is exactly what we want <laughs> this, this is my favourite section of the podcast I know why the listeners love it too so let's take it we've got two more players left who, yeah. who are you going for? So again, loads of choices. I mean, Fowler and Owen are too good to go up top, um, uh, even though they are sort of cult legend. They're too good. I was tempted by Neil Mellor, who sort of came in, scored a couple of screamers, and then everyone noticed that he was rubbish. We sold him. Um, <laughs> Heskey, who I managed to interview recently, who was sort of, sort of proper cult figure, but again, I think he's too good. I always admired Bellamy for his ability to play quite well and then cause a fight uh, on the training ground. <laughs> And I was very tempted by Stephen Colker. Remember a few seasons wow, ago, yeah. we, got, we got Stephen Colker from Reading. Uh, was it Reading? No. Um, no. Swan, uh, Swansea, was it? Or Cardiff? I don't know. Yeah, Cardiff. Cardiff, we got from Cardiff. Yeah. And then um, he only ever played for Liverpool up front for the last few minutes of, it, <laughs> of the game. So I was like, I'm going to get Stephen Colker in there, but that's disrespectful. So I've got a number 10 type role in okay. a five-a-side team, but he's still wearing number 10. And that is... Yari Lippmanen. Wow. Now there's a yeah. name. Yeah. So he's one of those players that like, he was so good for Finland. He played for Finland for like 20 years. It's not a, that's not an exaggeration. I think he played for like 22 years for the national team. And he was so good that they deported him because they, they just didn't know what to do. So they sent him to Ajax's academy when he was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and he played at Ajax. He played at Barcelona. By the time he came to Liverpool, 
he was a bit older and he wasn't at his best, but you could see that little touch, that bit of skill. He was such a classy player. I absolutely loved him. I think he probably only did a couple of seasons, but I loved him so much. So I've got Yari Littman in the number 10 role. Brilliant. Love it. We've got one more now. Who's it going to be? We've had some mad names so far. I don't know <laughs> my toxic trait is. My toxic trait is listening to these fantasy teams and thinking, could that be done on a budget? Could could we make this sort of game happen? <laughs> I wonder what they're up to. I think I could probably tempt yeah. Brad Friedel for a charity match. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> You could uh, uh, absolute minimum. You could get him on cameo. You yeah, know what I mean, you could get this five side to sort of this five side team to do a message on cameo, can you? You know, you could you could definitely get Momo Sissoko, who's on the bench, oh, isn't yeah. he? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so the ultimate cult player is actually quite a good footballer, mm. but he's um I've sort of covered that two thousand and one era, the Istanbul time, <laughs> Brad Friedel for some reason, uh, <laughs> and up top. Uh, and his captain is uh, Divock Origi. Oh. Um, he, he's just like, sometimes he won't play for Liverpool for about six months. Mm. And then he gets a, a run in the Carabao Cup against like a League Two team. And he's rubbish. And then we play him against Barcelona and he looks like Pelé. It's <laughs> just like, now that is a cult player. How you can just like not even play, hardly come off the bench. And then, and then just like scoring Champions League finals. I mean, yeah, he's he's the ultimate cult player for me. So yeah, that's my five with Divacarigi wearing the captain's armband. Well, there we go. That is Dave Bibby's fantasy five-a-side Liverpool team of cult-like heroes, and that is spot on. That's exactly what we're looking for. And I, just... <laughs> I think I might get Roy Evans to manage them if that's okay. <laughs> he wasn't allowed to. He wasn't allowed to do it on his own, so he could do this team on his own. Uh, I thought you, know, you might be really kind and let Roy Hodgson just give them one more, give, give him one more day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a no from me. I cut him off. <laughs> there was uh, a time this season when it looked like Liverpool were going to have a clash of games. Like, uh, we had, you know, too many games because games are getting cancelled. And sort of, we needed to play Arsenal in the Carabao Cup and stuff like that. And I was like, let Gerard do it because Klopp had COVID. <laughs> and then the assistant manager, I was like, come on, let Gerard manage Liverpool for one game. Um, but I'll, I'll have Roy Evans for my cult fives. Love it. I love it. Well, Dave, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, mate. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's been great fun. And uh, to say thank you, I've got your little gift that I can send over to Hello. you. Um, and I know you you mentioned your, your memorabilia, which I'm pleased you, you did. I've got you this little gift. It's from uh, Saturday the 26th of March, 1983. Uh, it's a football programme, Liverpool versus Man United, uh, Milk Cup final. Um, oh wow and I'm going to whack this over and if uh, you, you might not know uh, I had to look this up myself obviously uh, but this was a Liverpool victory uh, they won 2-1 um, <laughs> and uh, under Bob Paisley goals from Kennedy and Whelan so uh, wow. they are a bit of history there the milk cup which I assume would have been the equivalent of the the Papa John's cup or the, the Carabao cup is now yeah um, i love the way that they weren't they didn't have a proper sponsor it was just milk just just yeah, milk. milk milk will sponsor was that the accrington stanley adverts because that was that was sort of milk wasn't it yeah could have been stanley? who are they there we go <laughs> yeah cup. and um what we've got here is uh it is in prime love that <laughs> it is in prime condition you have got the teams there somebody at the time has corrected down here that it wasn't um david hodgson it was uh it was uh, david Ferriclough. Need to get that oh, right. So wow. it's all accurate, thanks to this this editing of whoever had it. Uh, you've got some great posts in the middle there. We'll send that over to you as a thank you for coming on. That is amazing. That's going to go with the rest of the merch here, like my Fowler cushion and things like that. I've got nothing <laughs> about. <laughs> Love it. Well, uh, the, the best of luck with the with the podcast. Do go and listen to it. So it's called uh, Who's Your Who's Team? Who's Your Team? And uh, what else? Where can we find you online? Where can we find you on Twitter, Instagram, etc.? What you got coming up soon? Uh, yeah, I've got my new show, Dave Bibby Recreates Jurassic Park, while trying to bring up a baby. Uh, I did that at Leicester Comedy Festival. That's coming up Museum of Comedy, a couple of other venues. Um, so, yeah, if you f- as well as other gigs and bits of buzz. But, yeah, follow me on Twitter. It's just at Dave Bibby. Instagram, I think I'm Dave.Bibby. I'm on TikTok as well, um, which I shouldn't be at my age, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think I've got a Facebook page, but I'm awful at Facebook. Um, but yeah, you, yeah, you can find me there. And if you if you like, who is this knobhead? 
um, then go to davebibby.com, click on the videos page and watch all my old sketches and songs <laughs> and things like that. And also loads of football stuff. There's me interviewing Heskey and loads of other ex-footballers um, uh, and Carlton Cole, who I mentioned before, people like that. There we go. That's how I found you through uh, your work with football stuff. And it's fantastic. The interview with Heskey's really good. So as he said, davebibby.com, go on there and find him. Uh, for now, though, we're going to say goodbye. Good luck for the rest of the season. And uh, yeah, um, look forward to hearing other episodes of the podcast. Best of luck with the new show as well, mate. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. Take care. Thanks again to Dave Bibby, a fantastic guest to kick off the new series of the podcast. Uh, And thank you. Thank you for tuning in. If you are new here, as I said, we have got loads of previous episodes that you can go back and listen to. And we've got some more fantastic guests coming later this series. Why not hit that subscribe button and then you'll be alerted to when the episodes come out. Which, if you remember, I did say... Uh, It should be every Wednesday morning uh, from now on. I'm now kind of wondering if I'll push it back to a Thursday, maybe a a Friday, maybe the Monday after. No, 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 no. Every Wednesday. Let's stick to it. Um, In the meantime, uh, why not follow us on social media? Uh, We're on Twitter and uh, I nearly said LinkedIn then. We're not on LinkedIn. No, don't be on LinkedIn trying to recommend us for skills. No, we're on Instagram and we're on Twitter with the handle at comtalkfootypod that's at comtalkfootypod and if you want to find me on instagram or twitter my handle is sam michael uk not to be mistaken for sam michael ukraine so uh, anyway um thanks for listening to this episode next week our guest is freddie quinn talking all things Manchester United. You're not going to want to miss that. So until then, thank you very much. Uh, appreciate you listening, and I'll see you soon. Take care. It's a funny old game. Comedians talking about football. Comedians talking about football. Comedians talking about football. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.